Hello there, my name is Johnny Rose and I'm the host of In The Know, the podcast for B2B professionals that want to beat the competition. With me today is Scott Gould and Scott is a communications and engagement strategist who helps technology firms get their customers highly engaged around their products. Scott started one of the first Twitter hashtag communities in 2009 and co-founded one of the first social media conferences that went on to be rated a top 10 tech event in the UK. He also had the pleasure of developing Finland's first social media strategy as a country in 2010. Most recently, Scott was a church minister where he led a startup church through 500% growth in 18 months. And in addition to his consulting work, Scott runs a peer mentoring group and, interestingly, writes poetry. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Gould, S-C-O-T-T-G-O-U-L-D. And Scott Gould, welcome to In The Know. Welcome, Johnny. Uh, having just closed, I'm a poet. I should probably begin with a poem, shouldn't I? But um, we'll dispense with that because of time. <laughs> I think we'll spare the audience that. <laughs> to spare the audience. Spare the audience that. Um, so, Scott, what would be really helpful before we get started is if you could just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in this world of engagement, which is what we'll be talking yeah. about today. Yeah. Well, you know, um, so I designed my first website for a client when I was 15 years old and, you know, had already kind of got into the web um, you know, kind of in the in, in the late 90s. But I was always fascinated by how do people interact with stuff? You know, what makes people enjoy using a service and stick with it? And then I, so then I went into social enterprise and I went into branding and design and I started the Twitter community and conference that we've spoken about. Um, and throughout it all, what I've always been fascinated in is how do people interact with an idea, get engaged around it, and own it, right? Um, and so that's kind of, I found that engagement really is the term that describes what it is that I do. So behavioral science, I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but engagement is the word that I like to use. And, you know, you, you mentioned the word engagement. You started to talk about behavioral science. What does, just so we can have a working definition, what does engagement mean to you? What's a, a simple definition that everyone can agree upon? Yeah, so I would say that engagement is the process of connecting with someone or something and bringing out the best in that relationship. Okay, so we have, so, so on that, so, so moving it now a little closer to the, the sort of theme of the show, this In The Know is all around helping B2B professionals who are operating in, usually in very global, very, very big companies, very big enterprises. So if you take your definition of engagement, as you just said there, in an enterprise company where there are lots of different departments with different functions, you have sales, you have marketing, finance, HR, etc., does engagement, that definition, that practice change across these different contexts in a large organization? Yeah, sure. So that's a great question. So if, if engagement is indeed the process of connecting with someone or something, um, then my theory is that it's fair to say that engagement is relationship, right? Um, whether we're connecting with a person, an idea or a brand or we're going on a date or we are relating to our child or a colleague all of this is about our relationship to the other thing, whether it's a person or, or entity, whatever it might be. Um, and in fact, the French word for engagement actually just means commitment. So there's something here about relating and committing. And so it is this idea of if you're engaged to something, you are bringing out the best in it. You are you are fully, um, you know, you're drawing out the value in it. So if we think about then how that works in, a, in an enterprise context, well, does relationship change from person to person? Sure. So the relationship will change. What doesn't change, though, are the principles, okay? So the principles of relationship, I mean, you and I, right? Um, I'm assuming that you want me to be honest with you? Of course. Yeah, and fair. 
Absolutely. And, and, and listen to you. Of course. Yeah. And, and so there's a sense of we want to have, you know, we want to be committed to each other. And so the, the, the principles of engagement um, very much remain the same, but the way that we do it changes. So on that point, um, and, and j- just to check, you, you get that, right? You're, you're, on, you're on page with that. I'm hoping that you, the listeners will be on page with that so far. I'm sure they're following. Carry on. <laughs> so, so what I, and, and that, even then, right, that's, that's an illustration of relationship, you know, checking that we're on the same page. So I would, I would t- let's talk about B2B because, you know, we're talking about enterprises here and um, very much in a B2B context. Some research from Google, um, Gartner and Motista said that on average, um, people are, are twice as connected emotionally to B2B brands than they are to B2C brands. That's that's a really big deal. And then uh, another piece of research from the same year, 2013, by McKinsey, went on to actually say the number one thing that people want from B2B brands is honest and open dialogue. What I see there is people want relationship. They want engagement. They want emotional bonding. What they want is they want commitment. They want an honest relationship that engages them and where they know that they are safe they're secure they're going to get support that will not change whether we're talking about sales marketing finance hr whatever it might be what will change of course is the way you go about achieving that okay so uh, if we're talking about hr the field that's often associated with it is employee engagement and very often what's done there is surveys and things like that to measure engagement i don't find them very effective but that's kind of common practice. If we're talking about customers, of course, it's going to be different there. I'm going to be thinking less about surveying all my customers, but I am going to be thinking about measuring it in different ways, or I'm going to be thinking about interacting with my customers in um, perhaps through a customer summit, if you're a B2B brand. And of course, the honesty that I'm going to provide to my customers will be different to the honesty that we're talking about in an HR context or a finance context. So it's relationship, but it's different types of relationship. Um, that's what I would say the difference is. Interesting. So a lot of our listeners are from the sort of technology space. Yeah. And um, what's been really interesting is just what I've noticed over the years is that many companies have sort of created something now in the B2B tech space, a, a function called customer success. So once they've got a client on board who've bought their software, there's a whole sort of raft of sort of staff who've been brought in to make sure these new customers are happy with the product and, and renew at the end of the year. So I guess my question to you is, is how can those who are in this customer success, which is really just a fancy way of saying account management uh, sort of role, (laughs) better engage with their accounts to improve satisfaction, to improve retention, those sorts of metrics? Where does your engagement thinking and frameworks, how does it apply in that context? Uh, Well, this is where the rubber hits the road, right, is that if we're going to talk about engagement and it's going to be useful, this is where it should definitely be useful, is how do we retain our customers because if they're engaged the you know the theory should be that they're going to remain right <laughs> so the research right so i mean yeah uh, here we go I'm, I'm big on research this is the third bit i'm quoting but garner did some research and they found that if a b2b buyer has a high emotional connection with your company or has a uh, as a, as a strong brand connection with your company they're five times more likely to buy from you 13 times uh, sorry five times more likely to consider buying from you 13 times more likely to purchase and 30 times more likely to pay a premium um who wouldn't want that right absolutely agreed so so engagement very strongly correlates with with loyalty but the process of engaging a customer let's talk about customer success 
is is going to be different than the normal way that we go about doing this. So do you have any experience of working in customer success yourself, Johnny? I don't. I, I sit across from our customer success team and uh, I give them supportive chance to help them be successful. But that's about it. I've never actually worked, you know, actually in, in, in that seat and at the cold so, face. So you're the success team for the customer success team. I, that, I like that. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and what have you noticed they spend most of their time doing? Uh, Either they're either on the phones or meeting with the customers themselves and listening to them and, and you know trying to get a feel for them and what their needs are or their problems are, that, that sort of thing. But they're usually not talking to us internally. They're out and about trying to get to know their customers, our customers. Yeah, great. And so everyone knows that the idea of customer success or account management is very much about finding out what the client needs and, and helping them with that. Um, so there are, there are three things that I talk about that we need to provide in a customer success forum. And that is we need to, we need to help their head. What, sorry, we need, we, need, we need to touch their head. We need to touch their hands and we need to touch their heart, right? So we want to touch their head, their hands and their heart. What is it to touch someone's head? That's to get to the numbers, to help them um, achieve success numerically. And I like to think of this as co-creating success with your client. And the way that you do that is, first of all, you need to listen right and you've mentioned that a moment ago that's what your customer success team does is they listen they empathize they're honest but most importantly they work with the buyer to deliver a huge success for the buyer so the buyer could show it to their boss because ultimately the buyer's the one who's selected to use the platform they're the one who's going to get it in the neck if it doesn't work out but they're the one who's going to get the props if it does work out so the number one thing that we want to do in customer success is, um, is is get to the head of the issue, touch the head of the issue, and that will be ensuring the numbers stack up. And that means we need to co-create success. And I say co-creation because when someone's engaged with you, you're doing it together, right? You're doing the bits that you can do. They're doing the bits that they can do. And they really feel like they've got a supporter in you, not just someone who sits from afar and, you know, fires emails off every now and then. So that would be the first one, right, which is to touch the head. Um, do you remember what the second one is, Johnny? Uh, to touch their heart. Oh, close. The second one is to touch their hands. Oh, okay. oh, strikes. Yeah, you're, you're not very customer successful. I'm, I'm apparently not very engaged as well. <laughs> I don't think what you're saying. Oh, I'm, I'm not doing a very good job. So the first one is co-creating success. The second is, is to be a channel of success. Um, now, I assume that you, like most tech companies, were in an agile environment, right? So, so what, what, one of the um, one of the kind of components that often gets added to agile is the idea of the scrum master, right? The person that goes around and supports, ensures that everyone's got what they need to do their job. They remove the blockages, so that the people who are actually doing the work can focus on getting it done and not have to worry about the various issues of resource or blockage or time constraint or whatever. So to Touch someone's hands to support their hands means that we recognize that our buyers are busy, as people are in, in, in most jobs. They are busy. They've got a lot of email. Every day the inbox get, gets re refreshed with new requests for their time and their attention. They, they know they need to be achieving success, but it's, it's going to be a struggle for them. They've invested in this software so it can help them, but whether it's going to work or not is down to how much time they can put in, but their time is limited. And so the second role of customer success is to help their hands by, by being their scrum master, get into their world, help them get their department integrated in the program, find out what blockages you can remove, be someone who enables them rather than just tells them.
right? And this is possibly beyond the call of what we think most customer success staff do to go from advisory to actually I'm going to get in there and consult with you and work with you and help you get this stuff right. But that's what we need to do if we're really serious about engaging people and helping them. Now, can you remember the third one? I feel really embarrassed. This whole time you're speaking, I was thinking he's going to ask me about the third one, which I can't remember. So just embarrass me and just say what the third one well, is again. Well, you had it right because it's the heart, right? Oh, right. Said... Okay. I thought, okay, oh, good. Okay, <laughs> carry on. I, I should have said it. I should have had the conviction to go with the heart. So the third one is is to touch their heart, right? So touching their head means that we're co-creating success. Touching their hands means that you're a channel of success. And um, touching their heart means that you're going to invite them into a community of success. This is the third thing we do, but it's possibly the most powerful. I don't really believe in tricks and things, but if there is a trick to getting people engaged, it's this. Involve them in a community and give them an identity. Um, Robert Cialdini, um, who's a, a fantastic um, social scientist who looks at influence and pretty much any app that you use today will have been based on one of his six principles of influence, at least probably more, talks about this idea of social proof, that we follow the actions of others. We like to identify with others. He also talks about the idea of likability, that we follow and we are influenced by those that we like. Well, the huge way to leverage this is to create a community that you bring your customers into, um, that they can identify themselves as, that they can network in, that they can receive all the value add that you provide as an organization beyond buying the product. And importantly, they can see themselves as a group um, they can see themselves as being part of a group of customers that are succeeding with your platform. This is massive. Uh, and this is what Salesforce have done to you know, an insane extent with Dreamforce, right, is they've got a massive community of people that feel like being a Salesforce member means that you are buying the certainty that you're going to succeed because I see all these other people succeeding in a very tangible, communal, face-to-face -face way. It's not like I just read about the stories on the website. I get to meet these people and interact with them. This, this is huge, but there is a caveat. If you're going to do this, if you're going to think about how you can create a community of success. You can't make it 60% leads and 40% customers. You should only ever have about 10% new leads attending these events, right? The majority of people there should be your existing customers. And they should be customers that you're helping succeed and you get them to share their stories of success through um, something like a customer summit, which McKinsey, by the way, say is a no regrets move. You can't go wrong with creating a customer summit. It is cheap, relatively, but massively beneficial. Interesting. So um, I, I was sort of thinking as, as you're speaking there that, you know, as you talk about, you know, touching the head, the, the hand and the heart and, you know, just in, engaging with those sort of three sort of aspects that, that um, you know, underpinning all of this, you know, when you're evangelizing this message of engagement in organizations, ultimately you're probably at some point going to get involved in content content yep. being used to convey this message, content used as a result of the efforts of this message. So uh, I guess my question to you is content marketing is a very hot thing. Many companies uh, are using it and doing it. And, and internally, people are producing content all the time to spread ideas. Where, yep. in, in your mind, where do you see content fit in the practice of engagement? Well, you've said it right there, that content is the means by which we spread our ideas. Um, this is content right now. Um, you and I chatting informally is content. Um, the advice that you give to your children is content. The, you know, the, the newspaper you pick up is content. Content is everywhere. But there's a difference between 
incidental content or default content and purposeful content, right? And with content marketing, we're talking about purposeful content. I think I think you'd agree. So you can never engage without there being uh, some sense of message or content with which you start. And as you said, that's the thing that you spread. And I call this actually the first, there are three stages to engagement. I call this stage the scattering stage, sowing your seed. Um, so if you put a seed out there, you put some content out there and it's a seed. What's the point of a seed, Johnny? Uh, to eventually water it so it grows and bears fruit. Well, that's something you do to the seed. But yeah, the point of the seed is to turn into a turn into a plant that bears fruit, right? The idea of content is to bear fruit, is to create a result. And the way that we do that is there should be directions within the content for people to engage further. This seems like a strikingly obvious thing to say, but too much content is thrown out there without a very clear call to action that invites people to get more engaged in the idea that's being talked about. You're going to throw a seed out there. You're going to throw something out there that's looking to connect with people, looking to convey something. But that's only half half the aim. The other half is that doc, that bit of content should make it crystal clear, uh, diamond focus clear, as, as you will know, I like to say, uh, and uh, our friend likes to say, Robin, that it makes it painfully obvious how I can engage and participate more. So customers or even if it's on a support level, to make it truly engaging, we provide a very, very clear call to participation, not just action, but a call to participation. Um, that's that's the difference between just a regular bit of content and an engaging bit of content. So as this is a draw uh, towards the end of our time together, Scott, one thing I always ask every guest on the In The No show is, you, you know, the, the title of the show is In The No. It's all about enabling B2B professionals to beat the competition what is one thing listeners should do today or that they could do tomorrow when they're next in the office to make sure that they are quote-unquote in the know what what would it be what's one engagement tip or website you recommend to help them with their engagement practice uh, it is the simplest of tips yet the most important and it's simply to listen to really listen and to understand and to be interested People who do that, we find utterly engaging and mesmerizing because they care about us. I'll finish with an anecdote that has profoundly influenced me. Uh, a woman won the opportunity to have dinner with two um, living former presidents of the United States. And she has dinner with both of them and comes out and um, all the reporters come up to her and say, oh, what was it like to have dinner with, you know, with this first president? And she said, well, he was a fascinating character. I came out of dinner and I just feel like he knows everything there is to know in the world. And they said, oh, that's really amazing. What about the, the second president? And she goes, ah, well, he was different. He made me feel like I knew everything there was to know in the world. And it's the people that are interested in us that we engage with. And quite simply, by listening, we will be thoroughly engaging and always in the know. Scott Gould, thank you for joining us on In The Know. Thank you. In The Know is brought to you by IDEO, the content intelligence platform. To learn more about IDEO, go to www.idioplatform.com.